Amen. Uh, our theme as a church, both here in the New River Valley and up in Roanoke, has been has been the way and living life together. And our focus will continue in that regard today. If you have a Bible, flip over to Acts chapter 2. Uh, this is a, a great text, one I'm very excited about. The title of my lesson uh, is Under the Influence, which is pretty relevant uh, today. As you drive down 81, you might see a sign that the VDOT cleverly uh, put out there. It's not bright to drive when lit, or it's not very bright light. Uh, yeah. Should have written it down. Being lit is not bright. Yeah, being lit is not very bright. That's it. Yeah. So lots of, lots, of, lots of influence talk. Uh, we're going to talk about the early church and its influence under the Holy Spirit, uh, which is much more uh, appropriate and much more needed. Yeah. And uh, should be much more desired. Uh, so we'll have a couple of thoughts on that and how the influence of the Holy Spirit affects our eyes, how it affects our ears, our mind, and ultimately our hearts. And we'll look at a time where the church was waiting for this promised Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, where they had, they had moments of the Holy Spirit coming upon them, but never with this great promise of the Holy Spirit indwelling in them, or being in them, where God himself would want to dwell with him. So today, I know Acts 2, we've read this, uh, at least up in Roanoke, we've been to Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and 47 for the good part of two and a half months. Yes. And uh, Acts chapter 2, you kind of hear that, and maybe the, uh, you know, the metaphorical, your eyes roll in the back there like, oh, here we go again. And I do want to encourage us to look at this with fresh eyes. Mm. Uh, there, there's an old story of a little girl, a granddaughter, who uh, would see her mom cut off the ends of the ham to put it in the oven. And one day she asked, Mom, why do you cut the ends of the ham off to put in the oven? She said, you know, I don't know. I just saw, I saw your, your grandmother do it. So go ask your grandma. So she went and asked her grandma, Grandma, why do you cut the ends of the ham off before you put it in the oven? She said, well, you know what? I don't, I don't know. I just saw your great-grandmother do it. So why don't you call your great-grandmother and ask her why she does it? So she called her great-grandmother who was out of state and said, Hey, great-grandma, why do you cut the ends off of the ham? And she said, well, back... Back, back in my day, uh, our oven wasn't big enough to fit a full ham. So we had to cut the ends off of it to fit it in the oven. Oh, and she said, oh, my goodness. So, again, something you've seen yeah. over and over and over again, you kind of lose, why am I doing this? Yeah. Why do we do it this way? So why do we study Acts chapter 2? It's very familiar, probably 95% of us here. Uh, but, again, for us to see it with fresh eyes and to ask them, why do we do this? Why is it this way? Why does God have all this pen for us through his Holy Spirit for us to be, uh, once again, under its influence, to be amazed by, by, by what it is that God brought to the early church and what he's brought to us. In Amen. The Amen. Amen. So without that, uh, without that, I'll, I'll pray and then we'll jump in. I'll remove this for a short time. Uh, Lord heaven, God, we gather here just with happy hearts. God, to be together. What a privilege that is uh, to be able to be out here in beautiful Blacksburg to be able to worship you under your creation and with one another, to have our campus students back in town. Uh, God, what a gift that is. And Father, to be able to be here, even from Roanoke down here in Blacksburg, and to see the, the church that's budding here in the New River, yes. see the faithful hearts and uh, those who are sacrificed, uh, just great things to stay in this area, to see your kingdom built, and the people in this area and its surrounding areas to be influenced by your Holy Spirit, by your gospel. God, we do pray now that we would uh, have fresh eyes, that uh, we would be under your influence as the Holy Spirit has filled our lives, as it wants to, how it begs to, and how God longs it to, 
that our eyes, our ears, our minds, and our hearts would be always under its influence. We ask that you would guide us, and again, let your scriptures speak truth to us, and we pray that our hearts would not be hindered uh, by its message and by your spirit. Pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, Acts chapter 2, and we'll jump in here in verse chapter 1. Oh, verse 1. Verse chapter 1. Here we go. Verse 1. Now when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a violent wind blowing came from heaven and filled the entire house where they were sitting. And tongues spreading out like a fire appeared to them and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven residing in Jerusalem. When this sound occurred, a crowd gathered and was in confusion, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Completely baffled, they said, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each one of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, in the province of Asia, Phygeria and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own languages about all the great deeds God has done. All were astounded and greatly confused, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others jeered at the speaker, saying, they are drunk on new wine. And we'll stop there. You know, this is a time in, in, in Israel where we get this word Pentecost. This is a time that is, you know, people have, have gathered. Jerusalem has swelled to triple, maybe quadrupled its size. This is where we see all these areas, all the surrounding areas of Asia Minor, uh, the kind of the, the fertile crescent uh, of, the, of our world. Everyone's come, and they've come to celebrate uh, one of the three mandatory festivals. And Pentecost was the second of those three. The next one is the feast of the Festival of Booths. Uh, but again, they've all come to, to celebrate this. But people do come to this festival with a messianic fever. Like, this could be the moment where we see the Messiah. This could be the moment where, where God really does usher in his new kingdom, his kingdom that he's promised, that we've longed for. You know, pa Pentecost is Greek for 50, 50 days. And uh, again, the... the if, you, if you're interested, it's Zemen Tanan Torah Tanu. That's actually what all this was called. And Pentecost is Greek, Penta, 50. It's the weeks of weeks. 7 times 7 is 49 plus 1, 50. There you go, Pentecost, that's the Greek. <laughs> wow. uh, but again, this is the, 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 the place that was happening is that this is fever-pitched. There are men from all over coming on this pilgrimage. This is an exciting time where, where God is present, and they're coming in a great way. And this is near and dear to the heart of every Jew. So I know this is missed on us. You know, for us, we don't have festivals in our country where the whole world stops and travels. I mean, the closest thing is maybe, this isn't really great, the closest thing is maybe down in New Orleans where people travel to Mardi Gras. And right. God forbid, you know, you go there for that time other than, you know, some of the local uh, yeah, festivals. But maybe if you're from uh, the Caribbean or uh, Ingrid's from Trinidad, they have carnival down there where everything stops. Everything stops. It's kind of, you know, debaucherous from what I've read. But nonetheless, everybody just stops and goes. We don't really have that. We don't really have that. Maybe we say, oh, 4th of July, we all stop and shoot fireworks off. But it's really not like something you would travel 
across the nation, stop whatever you're doing to do. We actually get that as a fellowship when we have our, our, uh, our meetings down, we have, hopefully next, uh, next summer down in Florida where the whole world travels down to, uh, to celebrate. That would kind of be like a, a Pentecost moment yeah. for us in a lot of ways. But nonetheless, this is what's happening and that's what's in their hearts and minds and it's missed on us. But the beauty of what we see here, which is crazy, is that when all this is happening, in verse 4, or verse 3, it says, Tongues spreading out like a fire appeared to them and came rest on each one of them. You know, if you have an ESV or if you have an NASB, it, it talks about like separating, like these, these, this flame separates and looks like tongues. It kind of looked like a flame. You look at a flame, it kind of looks like a, a little tongue. Yeah. But, it, but it means there in the Greek that it disseminated over the people. And fire is very, very, very keen to, to the Jews, to the Israelites. I mean, think about when God shows up, yeah. or when God had showed up to his people. Yeah. How did he show up often? Fire. Fire. And not only that, it says here that there is a sudden and violent wind, which is the word pneuma or, or ruach, the, the same word for breath, wind, and spirit. Right. Right. So again, you have God showing up here in a wind and a fire. If you go back to Exodus 19, if you go back to, to multiple occasions there, even with with, uh, with Jonah, there's so many different things. Fire, wind, Moses in the burning bush, fire, uh, you name it. God shows up in the fire multiple times. And we see that this moment of ruach, of, of wind, of spirit and fire, God is showing up. And it's not just one location where the fire consumed there at the tabernacle, or the fire consumed a bush, or or Abraham had to you know, hide yourself in a rock and then I'll pass by and you get to see the, the dust trail. Of, of me. Mm. It wasn't that, but now this fire is now being separated and disseminated and placed on the heads of all those who gathered, 120 wow. of them, right there. So what does this mean? Is that God is now spreading himself out and, and re residing on people all in the same way, where before it was, oh, God's here, and I can't go anywhere near that. Wow. But now he's resting upon them. This wouldn't have been missed on them. It's often missed on us. We think it's, oh, it's cool. I Did it singe their hair? Was there a smelly burnt hair smell going on? What was going on? Was it kind of a, you know, some type of mysticism? No, this wouldn't have been missed on our brothers and sisters at all. Mm. And their God is now consuming, he's residing, and he's bringing them to himself. In Exodus chapter 19, there's this promise where God does, you know, again, create his people, creates a nation is there where the fire consumed Mount Sinai. And it was their birthday. It was the birth of a nation. You're going to be my treasured possession. You're going to be a holy nation. It was the birth of the nation there in Exodus 19, a glorious day. Now here, this is the birth of a new kingdom, where God again comes in fire, and he's not giving birth to a new nation. He's giving birth to the church. He's giving birth to... The church, this this day of Pentecost, this fulfillment of all the Old Testament coming to bear right here. You know, there's a lot of famous calls in the sports world where radio announcers get really famous on what they call one back in 1980 when the United States hockey team beat the Russians. And Al Michael says, do you believe in miracles? And it's like, whoa, something that's just so preposterous, something that no one ever expected. And that kind of goes down the, 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 the you know, kind of the canton, if you will, of, of radio calls. There's so many more, and when the Dodgers beat the Oakland A's, the fearsome Oakland A's with uh, Gibson, and the, 
Jay Buck is his name. He says, I can't believe what I just saw. I don't believe what I just saw. These moments in kind of the sports world where people just get baffled. Like, I can't believe my eyes. Yeah. And that's what's going on here. I can't believe what I'm seeing here. What tongues of fire resting down. God, wind, fire, wind. What in the world? This isn't the planeteers coming together. This is the new church <laughs> being formed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Above the age of 35, you got that. <laughs> All these tongues, God spreading himself out, giving birth to the new church right here before their very eyes. And the Holy Spirit comes under the influence, or they come under the influence of the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak in tongues. Now this is a separate lesson, but tongues, we're talking about languages here. The, the word... The word in Greek is glossa, which means tongue. It means, again, if you look at your footnotes, if you got them, it means language. Yeah. There's a word glossolalia, which means kind of like an utterance. And you may, may have an NASB or another ESV. ESV actually says utterance. But utterance in the Greek actually means intelligible and articulated. Mm. So when we think of utterance, of gobbledygook type kind of stuff is actually not what's happening here. And we know that because... People say in this text, in wild confusion, verse 6, they heard them speaking in their own language. Yeah. In their own language. And that's phenomenal. And you have 120 of these disciples there who have been promised to stay in Jerusalem, stay in the upper room, wait for power to come on high. And that moment comes and it happens. And then they're speaking with no studying, but they have an accent. Hmm. I love that. Because these are Galileans. Like they're speaking in whatever language with a little Galilean accent. So it's like, where'd you study, David, to learn your Russian? Where, or Jack's studying Russian. Where'd you learn your Portuguese? Now, those weren't necessarily languages at this time. But nonetheless, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. We could all kind of stand up. Anybody speak Spanish? We get a few. I could speak some German. Some people can speak Tagala. We can, we can kind of go on. But when someone stands up and starts speaking a language which you understand, what we'll see here in verse 13 is that people couldn't believe their ears. The Holy Spirit had come under influence of their ears, too. Like, what am I hearing? Not just yeah. what am I seeing, what am I hearing? Right. God is transforming what I'm, how I make sense of what just happened with this fire. Right. But now God and His Holy Spirit is influencing my ears. What am I hearing? Wow. Do I hear my own language? Now, these people think, oh, you know, it's only 9 in the morning, right? They're, they're drunk. And we can go on about all that. But when so, if someone were to stand up and start speaking Tagalog, or someone were to start standing up and speaking Mandarin, you knew that. You wouldn't think, Bruce had too much to drink last night. Look at him, speaking in fluent Mandarin. Wow. My goodness. David speaking Tagalog. Uh, yeah, he's from the country of Ohio. He's, he doesn't even speak English. Uh, and he's, and he's, uh, he's speaking Tagalog. My goodness. David must have had too many highlights last night. No, you don't think... Chain's here. He's going to beat me up in the woods afterwards. Dave's brother from Ohio. Same place. Uh, look out for me. You see Bruce's hat in the woods. That was me. Anyway. You don't think, oh, they're drunk. These are intelligible words. These are things that which you'd hear. Again, I've been under the influence of alcohol many times to my shame. And it doesn't produce me being able to speak in fluent languages. Yeah. That's for sure. You know, it's, it's, almost, um, it's almost sobering to, to be here at this park because back in 2001, I came here as a freshman in college uh, and was completely inebriated all weekend. Wow. I came here from Virginia Beach and was under the influence, 
uh, had a fake hokey ID uh, that I that I figured out how to make on Microsoft Paint and uh, got into football games and got beer bought for me and went to parties. Uh, and it's been very sobering coming back to Virginia Tech and one time being the campus ministry or walking around and around the dorms where I was throwing up on the side of those dorms and now I'm reaching out to help people know Jesus. Yeah. Come on, brother. But the, under the influence of alcohol, it never produced any type of intellect. <laughs> quite the opposite. So quite yeah. the opposite, indeed. But that's what they assume is happening. They can't believe their ears. But the beauty of that moment and coming under the influence of the Holy Spirit and then speaking in these other languages, I love what it says here a little bit earlier where they hear it in their own language. But in verse 11, we hear them speaking about the great deeds God has done. What might have those God, those God deeds been? I think they all were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. They were promised it by Jesus in the upper room. Don't go anywhere. And then all of a sudden, that promise came true. Come on. Ever had a promise come true? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ever kind of linked in, connected the dots as to how God came through and how faithful he was? Right. Yeah. Those moments elicit joy. And if you're around someone else, we know joy's not really complete until you can share it with someone else. Yeah. And when you see somebody sharing with somebody else something they're really excited about, you're like, what's going on over there? What's, what's happening, Billy? Jimmy, what happened? What are you so excited about? And it could be something lame like, my team won, or I got an A. That's not lame. But in here, it's the great deeds of God. Yeah. Right. All of them just rejoicing about what God has done. And I believe what they're all saying is, in all these different languages, Jesus promised us power from on high. Did you see it? Oh, my goodness, this is it. The new kingdom. He's come. He's come. This is it. This is it. This is it. And they're hearing all of this in their own native tongues. Wow. This is maddening. And while I can't speak to great things coming from my drunkenness, the one, and I'm not making light of this, the one good thing that came from being under the influence was that I actually was, all my inhibitions were dropped. And I was a bit more free to express myself and how I really felt. Great. And I don't make light of that, but I believed, and why I became pretty much an alcoholic by the age of 19, is that I believed I couldn't be free without being under the influence of alcohol. Yeah. I was so insecure, cared so much about what people thought. The only way I could really feel like I didn't care anymore was to be intoxicated. The only way I could feel like I could stop being the wallflower and start initiating with a girl or, you know, kind of unshackle the fears that my friends really weren't my friends was to be intoxicated. And I remember that quote-unquote freedom of feeling like I could look at my buddy in the eyes and say, man, I love you, man. This is awesome. Isn't this great? Or go, to, go up to a girl and be able to like, hey, I think you're cute. I mean, I'm, what a buffoon. I'm glad it didn't work. But nonetheless... There was this sense of, wow, I, I'm, I'm free, in a sense, to, to be uninhibited. Right. To not actually have anything hold me back. Right. Now, there's a beautiful thing called the prefrontal cortex, which some of us in this shelter are still developing. And that's not your fault. That's just the way it is. But that prefrontal cortex is kind of your executive office. It, it makes the decisions. You, you get to, uh, you know, your, your long-term consequences, your, you know, your... Cost-benefit analysis. You're, okay, is this worth my time? And a lot of that had actually done some good for me, despite some moments along the way. And I was thankful, and I became accustomed to kind of my way and how I would, how I would think things through. In a lot of ways, you know what? Okay, I shouldn't say this to her right now because that's not going to go well. 
or I shouldn't be really giving uh, verbally to this guy because he might think I'm kind of weird. And I would kind of say, okay, that, that was helpful. You know, the social norms, the social cues that my frontal lobe helped me with. <laughs> and uh, you've all experienced that too. Like, ooh, I'm glad I didn't say it. I'm glad when I met that guy, uh, I wasn't too like happy because, you know, like, what's up with you? Or when you went and shared your faith, you weren't like super excited about Jesus because you don't want to be like that gal or that guy, but you were cool. And he brought it in a really clever way. And you're not too pushy. You know, you're cool. You're hip. You're a cool Christian. And that's what people want, right? You really slid that in there nicely. Way to go. How discerning. And we kind of start thinking that way. And we start to rely on this frontal lobe. And we think, you know what? Uh, this is kind of the, the way it is. Now, I think this is so appropriate to come under the influence of the Holy Spirit once again because we are coming out of, you know, isolation in yeah. a lot of ways. Come on. We've lost in a lot of ways the opportunities to have uninhibited fellowship. Yeah. There's still things that we were like, ooh, is that, uh, is that okay? And for good reason. Like, there's still a virus that's floating around. So we're all kind of a bit more like, what's normal and what's appropriate yeah. and what's acceptable and what's so we have this layer of you know being healthy but the layer i want to talk to us about having the holy spirit influence and what we see in this 120 just going berserk and excited about what's happened and what was noticeable is that we need to lose our inhibitions about how we love one another yeah how we express our thanks how we are excited about who god is because I have a level of decorum, you know, I'll pick someone out in the crowd. You know, Dave and I are, are great friends, but David Young and I, there's a level of decorum and social cues where, you know what, we're good with the side hugs. We're cool with talking about our marriages or talking about our, our, our families and work and, you know, laying stone. I'll learn from Dave, no problem. There's like a level of, okay, we know that's cool. And we'll kind of keep it there. Like, right, we're, we're good with where we're at. We're really good with that. But there's, there's longings of, can go deeper with it. Right. I can be more honest about where I'm at. I can be more, I can expose my heart more. I can be more loving. I can tell him who, who he is in Christ and really lay that out there without any worry of, oh, what's he going to think about my, my approach here? Right. Right. Or even with some of you newbies. Hey, welcome to RBC. Hi, I'm John. Great to see you. I mean, I haven't seen some of you guys. Jeremy Grant, you got baptized last year. Nice to meet you, bro. I haven't even met you yet. But it's tempting for me to go, what's up, Jeremy, and be the cool pastor that you'll probably see like a couple times a month, maybe. Yeah. But the truth is, if the Holy Spirit is influencing me, all inhibitions are gone. That I can come yeah. up to Jeremy. I don't know you, but hear your story and rejoice in God with you and, and kind of break the, the social cues. That doesn't mean we're going to be weird, but it does mean that I don't have to Kind of let this, my flesh, rule the day. That's right. I can let the Holy Spirit do that. And it's not just in fellowship, but how about parents to your children? Yeah, How much on. more expressive would you be towards your own children about not just what they're doing wrong, but how much you love them and what you see in them? Yeah. Children, teens, campus students, how much more will you call your mom and dad who are forking the bill for you to be here and say, Mom, Dad, I just want to tell you. Like, well, that's kind of weird, you know, mom, I don't know. We start to kind of play that game. Well, let the Holy Spirit influence you to be upfront and honest yeah. about all the good things. You know, yesterday I was at the pool, a public pool, which uh -oh. you know me, that's like 
carry across daily, deny yourself. Public pools, Whew. So we went to the public pool with some of the young professionals up in Roanoke yesterday. And uh, one of the young, young professional brothers, Josh, Josh was there. And uh, so two guys standing in the pool next to each other, 2021, you know, whatever. And I remember feeling very, very like aware of how expressive I was going to be towards Joshua, how engaged I was going to be with him in conversation. I had friends, I had neighbors that came to the pool. And I remember kind of making some decisions that I'm going to, I'm going to play it cool. I'm going to be kind of like suburban dad right now. And uh, when Joshua and Rolando and Sade were there, when they came in, please forgive me. I, I played it cool. Like they came in and normally I'd be like, yo, Rolando, stand up and give. I didn't even stand up. I stayed seated at the bench. And I said, what's up, Rolando? Sade came in, kind of said hi, maybe like a minute or two after she set her stuff down. Joshua in the pool. Yeah, I didn't get too close, didn't, didn't ask too many questions, didn't really ask him about his life, just playing a cool suburban dad. Mm. I remember making decisions like that, quenching the Holy Spirit, Come on, bro. and not taking advantage of an opportunity to, to let like a situation like this be evident. Right. Like, look, look at those two guys. What makes them the way they are? Why are they so joyful? Why are they so engaged? What's that little picnic table about over there? That as soon as this guy, this white suburban dad got up and hugged, Rolando in K-Spring, come on, you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, what's that? Yeah. Why is that? Ooh, again, these things people think. That's right. But I decided to not let the Holy Spirit influence me. Mm. I decided to be cool, Dad. In the end, I think I quenched the Spirit. Let's go, John. In the end, I said, you know what? I don't want to be under your influence. I'll keep that flame right in here, but it's not going to dictate my life, my words, my actions. I'm going to make an executive decision to let me take the shot, or make take, me take the call right here, right now, Thanks for being with my brother, yeah. with my family. And if I'm honest, that happens all the time. Right. All the time in ways of vulnerability, where I hedge my bets, where I pull punches, you name it. But for you, what would being under the influence of the Holy Spirit look like? Yeah. How expressive would you be? I'm talking from one introvert to all the other introverts out there. Like, we had David and, and Genesis up here, and I think three or four times it said, I'm not really emotional. And I, I'm not either. But I think, actually, I am. I just don't express. I think we're all very emotional. Yeah. It's just how we express it is different. Right. But I'm with you, David, and I'm with you, Genesis, in the sense that, you know what? The Holy Spirit does influence me, and maybe not to be uh, emotional in the sense that we can kind of look at it like, oh, they're emotional or hysterical. But he's expressive, and he's honest, right. and he's real, and he's vulnerable. Those are characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's right. Yeah. So are you under the influence of the Holy Spirit? And we have an opportunity here in the fellowship where we don't see each other a lot. And amen, COVID boundaries, and be aware, and be sensitive. However, don't let it be that we quench the Spirit from really engaging in a great way. You're with me? Yeah. And that became noticeable. The people were like, what in the world is all of this? And no, they weren't drunk. But there was something like that. In Zechariah chapter 9, a promise of God says that they, were, they will devour and tread down the sling stones. They shall drink and roar as if drunk with wine. Not really, but as if. So what I'm telling you here is that a prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9 talking about God's people is that they will be roaring and raucous and excited 
and people will look at them and say, are they drunk? Well, of course, we're not drunk with wine, but we're filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5 tells us that, but not to be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but rather be filled with Spirit. That's an intentional parallel by Paul. Yes, and he makes it clear that being drunk with wine is debaucherous. By getting drunk like I did, to my shame, to lose inhibitions, to feel free, that's debaucherous and it's disgusting. And we've been there, and maybe you've been there, and God forbid it's your life experience, but maybe you've seen the movie or a music video, and those are, those are true, and we don't want to make light of all that. However, those experiences did help me to see, oh my goodness, I know what it's like to be, to lose those inhibitions, but I know how to do that in a great way in the spirit as well. But I challenge us to think through what we're getting, what we're getting filled by. And again, we are, if we are disciples of Jesus, we are filled with the Spirit, and therefore we can be free to sing. We have the freedom to share our hearts, our feelings, to be demonstrative to my friends, be unshackled from insecurity, and expressive to my friends. Come on, bro. Good job. You know, pick one. Pick a parent, pick a friend, pick a new friend. New, new disciple here today and to be able to share, you know what, I don't really know you, but I want to and I'm excited about what we have in fellowship and be able to talk that way. Again, it's a great, great thing that the Holy Spirit showed up and we'll talk more about the power of all that that we see in Peter's message, message in verses 14 to the end of the chapter another time. But the beauty of all this is that he does go on, Peter that is, he goes on to talk about the influence of the Holy Spirit, not just being in their expression to one another, in their joy, not just with their ears or their tongues, but also in their eyes and in their minds. And that's what I want to conclude on here today in verse 17, just to jump ahead. It says there, I will pour out my spirit on all people. This is quoted from Joel 2. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. This Holy Spirit is meant to open the eyes of us all. It's actually meant to reinvigorate and recapture vision and dreams. It says here that old men will dream dreams. The truth is, old guys, and I'm getting, I'm getting there, I'm there, I'm with you, old guys, old superb dad, I'm getting there. You're not known to dream new dreams. It's expected of you to have lived your best days. It's expected of you to, you know, your dream is to not do anything, to work super hard, retire, and then just live on the land. There you go. No new ideas, no new vision, just kind of coast out. That's right, come on. Easy peasy. That's what our nation is. That's what our culture is. Yeah. If you're living the dream now, it's you don't get to do anything. That's the beauty. I don't have to do anything. Right. No new ideas. No new exertion. No new passions. No plans. Mm. What are you doing today? Nothing. <laughs> living the dream. <laughs> but when the Holy Spirit influences you, you dream new dreams. You're not done. So, older brothers, older sisters, what's the dream? Come on. What's the dream? Amen. The Holy Spirit, as it influences us, and it's not influencing us to this, you know, mysticism or experiential, like, oh yeah, new dream. No, it's it's actually meant to guide you down the will of Christ. Yeah. The will of God is where the Holy Spirit wants to take us. That's secure. So it's not new dreams that you want to conjure up, but what does it look like to live out the will of God in your stage of life now? Amen. Come on. Dreaming new dreams. Beg of the Holy Spirit to influence your eyes and your mind to dream new dreams. I love that the young men and the young women will see visions. 
Guess what young people are known for? Not thinking at all. Yeah. Just showing up. Now, I know you guys are beyond that, but everybody else, like, oh, yeah, you know, what do you want to do in your life? What do you, what are you doing here at college? I don't know. I'm undecided. What, how long have you been here? This is my fourth year. Still undecided. Like, I'm undecided about whether or not you have a brain. But nonetheless, that's kind of what young people are known for. Like, hey, what are you thinking about, man? What, how was your day? Good. What are you doing? I don't know. What's, what's coming up next? Who knows? We'll see. And it's just like, what? Young people are becoming more and more lethargic. They've got more and more stuff going on. They've got all these different screens, and they're doing a bunch of stuff, and they look really busy, but they're busy doing nothing. Yeah. Busy escaping. Come on. Busy coping with the pain of doing something. I've been there. I'll be there again. I'm not up here saying I figured it out or I've got visions galore or I'm dreaming all types of dreams. On, I'm God. saying when the Spirit influences us, these things come. Right. So for our campus students, what's the vision? Yeah. What's the will of God look like? New semester. Uninhibited. Yes, there's this. Yes, there's that. But man, the Holy Spirit's here. The Holy Spirit showed us that it's, it's not just tongues of fire. It's actually in us, inward dwelling. That's right. What do you want to do this semester, God? What are you up to? What are you up to in my dorm? What are you up to in my school? What are you up to right here in our church? What are you up to in Blacksburg? What are you up to in Martinsville? What are you up to in all the way out there? Just 460 till you get to Narrows. Like, what's going on out there, God? We got places to go, don't we? Yeah. Uninhibited. New visions for young people. Amen. Dreaming dreams. We don't sit around and wait for your campus ministers to figure out, what are we doing? That's right. You tell me. We have Devo. Okay, I'll come to Devo. <laughs> no! Get going! That's right, come on. Get going! You have great campus ministers. You have yep. great seniors. Big ups to Jonah and Natalie and Cameron for jumping in. Come on! And being interns, sticking around. But we know it's not just, okay, Jonah, tell us what to do. What's the dream, brother? Okay, okay, Natalie, tell us what to do. Okay, Cameron, what do you want to do? No, no, no. We're all in this together. That's right. They have great visions. They have great dreams. They're excited about leading you. However, we all have the Holy Spirit. So what's the vision? Again, letting God and his Holy Spirit influence our eyes. I can't believe what I just saw. God came down to indwell in his people. The birth of the new church, and that's not just Acts 2. That's today. We're the continuation of that. So be amazed. As the Holy Spirit influenced your brothers and sisters, they were speaking in different languages all about what God has done. Right. We don't need to get into all the speaking of different languages, but if someone who speaks Spanish wants to go talk to someone else in Spanish about what God's done, sweet! Yeah. I won't be able to understand you, but if someone wants to talk German over here about what God's been up to, I'll be able to understand maybe a fraction of that. <laughs> or Korean, or whatever it is. You know, these things are exciting, but we talk about what God has done when we're influenced by what we've seen. We're blown away by what we hear. There's an old movie called The Taxi Driver with Robert De Niro. Oh, yeah. And he practiced this scene. He says, you talking to me? <laughs> talking to me. Now he had a gun. We're not going to go there. But you talking to me. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is talking to you. He's trying to influence you. Come on. I'm talking to you. And he's talking to us. And praise God for that. So our ears are influenced. And our minds are influenced. Mm. So much so that we are ready to rock uninhibited. 
not debaucherous, not just free willy. You gotta study for your tests. You can't just say, hey, following the spirit. No, you need to study, put down the controller and study. That's right. However, we're uninhibited to love one another, to share all those things specifically, and to pour out to our world that so desperately needs to see the spirit in action. We have all that. Praise God for Acts 2. Praise God for Pentecost. Praise God for the new church that continues right here in the New River and in Roanoke. Thanks so much. I'm going to go ahead and pray.